Are y'all ready? We're ready. We're ready. Let's go. Let's go. This week, Gone with the Bushes is taking you to Greenwich Village. Even though it's spelled Greenwich, it's pronounced Greenwich, correct? Mm-hmm. New Yorker? Okay. And this is the street that it takes place on is the one that Adam and I used to have to walk down every day to get to work. I wondered about that. Wow. Well, it's actually a fake address, but that address does not exist. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure. Which is another thing I want to get into later. So when professional photographer L.B. Jeff Jeffries is confined to a wheelchair with a broken leg, he becomes obsessed with watching the private dramas of his neighbors play out across the courtyard. Da, da, da. We have, okay, Aaron? We're watching, <laughs> we should say the name of the film. <laughs> Oh, man. 1954's Rear Window, ladies and gentlemen. But I, they know. They clicked on it. Who is not intrigued? Are you not intrigued? <laughs> Told you, Christy. Oh. Yes, we are doing Rear Window this week. The particulars? Yes, because I have introed. You have introed. <laughs> Rear window. Oh, how's everyone doing out there? You, you're doing as good as we are. <laughs> we don't know about you. It's been 40 days of confinement here. <laughs> so we're doing the best we can. Oh, man, guys, just do yourself a favor. Pour yourself a glass of whatever and about to have some fun because this is going to be an all-time gone with the bushes. I can feel it. In my vodka-soaked bones. Exactly. <laughs> vodka turned to gin here. Yeah. All right. Rear Window was released September 1st, 1954. Produced and directed by Sir Alfred Joseph Hitchcock, a.k.a. the Master of Suspense. Over 50 films, over 60 years. As I was going through his films... The, oh, the people, can't. the people, they don't know. But I went through a big, huge Alfred Hitchcock phase when I was in high school. Yes, you did. I mean, I didn't read and I read a biography about Hitchcock. I got we, we had a we had a duct taped outline of a dead body in our front room for over, six months, over a year. Yeah. Yep. Because yeah. I was making my ode to Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Oddly enough, working title was Screwdriver. Because that was the weapon used in the murder. It was. And you have been drinking those ad nauseum today. It, Sunday, I just wanted to start it off right. There we go. All right. Nerd alert. Alfred Hitchcock was born August 13th, 1899. <gasps> I was born the 15th, so I thought that was a good nerd alert. One day removed. Two days removed, Ma, but yes. Two, that would be two. The youngest of three children on the outskirts of London. (laughs) We almost made Teeny do a spit take. (laughs) Oh, man. 
the youngest of three in the outskirts of London. His father was a green grocer, which means he was a retailer of fruits and vegetables. Oh, we need him today. Yeah, but wasn't your mom's family grocers? Yeah, they were grocers. That's what. That's why I put it as a nerd alert. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. I remember something about that. Okay, his films. So we did Torn Curtain and we did The Man Who Knew Too Much. We did. Did we do Rebecca? Not yet. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. So Rebecca, The Lady Vanishes, The 39 Steps, Strangers on a Train. You know what? I'm going to just interject right here. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock Month? Well, okay, but Alfred Hitchcock a day. One film of his a day. It's going to get us through this pandemic. I know. We were already looking at what other films we were going to watch. Oh, oh my God. So many he other ones. just the master. The master of suspense. So in, uh, in 1954, he did Dial M for Murder. Then he did yes. this film. Then he went on and did To Catch a Thief. And oh, come then, on. We, we're going to have to do that, too. I love to catch a thing. And then we got Vertigo, North by Northwest, Psycho, oh, and The Birds, just to yeah. name a few. Yeah, like, just hello. It's it's wild. It's wild how irresponsible and disrespectful Gone with the Bushes has been of Sir Alfred Hitchcock. Wow. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Because that is so freaking true. It is. We will... How- I mean, we do love us some Paul Newman, but how did we have two Paul Newman months and no Alfred Hitchcock months? Well, we're going to fix that. It's, we the are problem indeed. is going to be solved. There the screenplay go. is by John Michael Hayes. He also did Butterfield 8, remember, with Liz Taylor. Peyton yes. Place, To Catch a Thief, The Trouble with Harry, and The Man Who Knew Too Much remake, which we did. Mm-hmm. Based on... The short story, It Had to Be Murder, by Carol Woolrich, which pu- was published in 1942. It was a short story, in turn, based on H.G. Wells's story, Through a Window. Oh, uh, see, because I was just going to say, is Carol a man or a woman? It's a, it's a then, man. Of course, it had to be based on a man. I'm sorry, story. it's Cornell. Cornell Woolrich. He also wrote The The Bride Wore Black, which was made into a film in 1968 by Francois Truffaut. The music is by Franz Waxman, who also did Rebecca, The Philadelphia Story, Sunset Boulevard, A Place in the Sun, Peyton Place, Bride of Frankenstein. He had 12 Oscar nominations and two wins. In this film, he primarily did the opening and closing credits and the song Lisa. Ah. The director of photography is Robert <laughs> Burks. He also shot Strangers on a Train, Dial M for Murder, The Man Who Knew Too Much, To Catch a Thief, Vertigo, The Music Man, The Birds, and North by Northwest. Just Damn. to name a few. Edited by George Tomasini. He also cut Stalag 17, To Catch a Thief, The Man Who Knew Too Much, Vertigo, North by Northwest, Psycho, The Misfits, Cape Fear, and The Birds, to name oh a few. Oh, my God. Costume designs. Yeah. Whew. Edith Head. Yes. Eight Oscars from 1949 to 1973. Just take a look at Grace Kelly in this, and you know why Edith Head is a fucking name that you know. Oh, my God. I mean, if you don't do it for anything else, watch this for her fashion. Watch this for her. Cast. <laughs> There's that too. 
James Stewart as LB Jeff Jeffries. He was 46 when this movie was made. We know him from Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, The Shop Around the Corner, The Philadelphia Story, It's a Wonderful Life, and The Man Who Knew Too Much. I only gave off Jimmy Stewart's credits of the films that Gone with the Bushes has already done. The man has what? done so many things. Gazillion more. Adam said, is that the guy that was in that Christmas movie? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> you can easily say yes. Because <laughs> he's so specific. We have Grace Patricia Kelly as yes. Lee Carroll Fremont. She was 24. Oh my God. The, the poise that this woman had at 24. She was 24? 20, this is, what a, this is oh a 24 God. year old right there. Holy shit. Um, all right. So this, 24. Yeah, the, this, is, this is the entirety of her movies in chronological order. 14 hours. High Noon, which we did. That was her first major role. Thank you, Gone with the Bushes. Mogambo, which we have to do because that's that's Grace Kelly and Ava Turner in the same film. So we <gasps> got to do that. Oh, my God. That's got to be a bitch fight. Listen to her 1954. Dial M for Murder. Rear Window. Won the Oscar for The Country Girl. And then did another movie called Green Fire and The Bridges of Toko Rai. Then she did To Catch a Thief. The Swan and High Society, and then she married the Prince of Monaco and just peace out. Yeah, became the princess of the coolest place on the earth. The princess of Monaco, and that was right. it. Retired, right. just right. deuces, yeah. everyone. I'm retiring from 26. Look at the work I left behind. That's right. And then tragically, her life was cut short at the age of 52, which I would just like to point out. Look at the pictures of her, the end of her life, and then let's bring it all back again to J-Lo and how she's looking at 50. It's insane. I would just like to, like, how 50 has changed. Yeah, well, products and such. Man. All right. I already gave that nerd alert how she retired at 26 to marry Prince Rainier III and become the Princess of Monaco. All right, here's another nerd alert. She was born November 29, 1929 at Hanneman University Hospital in Philadelphia, which is now the teaching hospital of Drexel University College of Medicine. Where I used to tell you to ride your bike, fall off of it in front of that hospital. So a doctor. No, Ma. You told me to do that on Penn's campus. Because well, yeah, Penn is the Ivy League school, and yeah. my education was just Ivy League adjacent. That's right. That's true. You said and good yeah. on me, but did you ever do it? I tried, but you might find it hard to believe that all those Ivy League preppies weren't looking at the little colored girl. <laughs> the little colored girl going by. Yeah. On her Walmart bicycle. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was a Walmart bicycle with a, may I say, Louis Vuitton chain. We got you the top of the top chain on that Walmart bicycle. Okay, it wasn't a literal Louis Vuitton chain on the Walmart bicycle. <laughs> but I, I yes, I appreciate that. I think we went on a tangent. That's what the people are here for. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Thelma Ritter. Stella. <gasps> That's a drink. <laughs> That's a drink, people. 
we saw her in her film debut, Miracle on 34th Street. She was also in All About Eve, which we did. Also, yes. Pillow Talk, The Misfits, and The Birdman of Alcatraz. Wait, what? Yeah, she was also in Pillow Talk, The Misfits, The Birdman of Alcatraz. But, okay, I'm not, I'm not going down that rabbit hole. Wow. Continue on. Thank you. Raymond Burr as Lars Thorwald. Yes. Perry Mason himself. Yes. Also or large Thorwald. <laughs> also, Ironside. He was also in the movies A Place in the Sun and Delirious. That film with John Candy. We have Ross Bagdasarian. He was a he was the songwriter. In real life, he was a singer, songwriter, record producer, and actor. He was in Viva Zapata, Stalag 17. But he is best known for creating Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yes, the songwriter is Dan Savell, creator of Alvin and the Chipmunks. Alvin, Simon, and Theodore were named after executives at Liberty Records. Wow. Yes. Wow. Okay. And those are the particulars. Okay. I'm going to set the table. So there's jazz music playing. Oh, that's that and Waxman. We, and we see window shades uh, going up through the credits. So that's the, what is that called? The Other than the credits, it's the credits rolling. The credits, okay. The opening so, credits, yes. Then we see an apartment building, and we see people in all the different windows. And we see a thermometer showing it's like 97, 98 degrees, right? Hot time, summer in the city. And Jimmy Stewart is sweating. At first, I thought she was washing his hair. He was but really he sweating was, hard. He was sweating hard. He was so so he, hot. He was asleep in his... Um, in his wheelchair. Okay, so now this set. Okay, picture it. <laughs> this is Greenwich Village. So this is the fifties. So it's like a what what we used to call a picture window. And then next, uh, adjacent, adjacent next to each side of the picture window are windows that you can open and close. But the picture window was a set piece of glass. Oh, now this is not that way. The set piece of glass is also open because it's hotter than hell and everybody has everything open they can have open. Because they don't have AC. This, there's no central AC. There's no central AC. So even putting down blinds or shades, that's going to stop any kind of wind current that could be coming in to give any kind of relief. We see Jimmy Stewart in a wheelchair sleeping and then around his apartment, we see photos and a lot of camera equipment. It's just Alfred Hitchcock doing what Alfred Hitchcock does best, showing and not telling. We know this guy's a photographer. We know he's a good photographer. We know he goes around the world. We know that he's willing to stick his head out and put himself in danger and peril to get the perfect shot, which is how he probably got laid up in that wheelchair in the first place. Which bingo did freaking happen. Bingo. Okay. So he's watching a woman and he says, sitting 
Six weeks sitting in a two-room apartment with nothing to do but look out the windows at the neighbors is a swamp of boredom. He didn't have Netflix. There was no internet. He had no streaming. Yeah. No, but he had really interesting neighbors. Fantastically interesting neighbors. I mean, if somebody were peering in here, they would go, okay, whoa, she has moved from the bed <laughs> to her big chair. Six hours later, she has moved from her big chair to her bed. <laughs> I kind of feel like Jimmy Stewart right now because since I'm working from home to create the office effect, because usually I'm on the first floor, I do not open my blinds. The blinds stay closed. But during office hours, I have I have opened the blinds. It allows in more light and I like it changes. So I'm like, I'm working now. Exactly. As a result... I have become the Jimmy Stewart of my apartment's parking lot. And I have made a lot of judgments about people. Oh, yes. Particularly mm -hmm. my upstairs neighbor. I seriously doubt the social distancing that's going on. Ouch! It, it's... I... I This movie cut close to the bone. Ooh, ouch. Okay. Well, we see a husband going home to a, quote, nagging wife, end quote, and they're arguing. Is this the nagging wife who's just laid up in the bed? Yeah, because she's some <laughs> kind of invalid. Or she's extremely depressed. <laughs> and then there's, we see Jimmy Stewart, and he, ha okay, okay. So we see him because... His insurance company nurse is coming in to massage him to keep his muscles going because he has a broken leg. And take but care of has, him. He has a cast up to his waist. And I'm sorry, she came in for about five minutes mm -hmm. and rubbed lotion on his back and left. Right. Mm -hmm. And she couldn't even warm it up as they do now in, in massage parlors, as I'm told. But also, though, she is the Thelma Ritter. So she comes in and just drops dimes left and right. She does. And you know what? Our new category quotables, I couldn't keep up. So I know. I was typing so feverishly on my phone. It's true. And so... um. He, that cast up to his waist, I'm sorry, I had to wonder, is it catheterized? Because... I know, I thought about that. I don't think it goes around that. Yeah, I think that was excluded. Think, or they left a little hole, I'm not sure. Okay. I feel like it went around the waist, but then like that part got shoved to the other side, and then they Ouch. put it or, like around. Okay. So it was like okay. a belt, and then it goes just down to that leg. Okay, to keep the other leg immobilized. Got it. But okay. then what about his behind? Like, I guess uh, it, I guess it's just the, around his waist to keep it there. Because it was also what? very loose. Uh, see, now, I didn't even go to the butt part. Oh, I mean, Jimmy Stewart poops. Everybody I don't know. I don't, think he, I don't know that he does. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't. Yeah, so, Okay. So wouldn't she, wouldn't Thelma Ritter then have to kind of like change a diaper and such? No, because I think that I think we have it correct in that it's probably like a chaps kind of like situation. The cast is, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it, it, went, it went like this. 
all right here. Yeah. Okay. 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 So hopefully he didn't have any hemorrhoid situations. In that my would... professional opinion. Yeah. Okay. I mean, still though, you know that thing was so funky. Yeah. Because like, it's so high. You hot. Did see that he had a back scratcher. He yeah. Did. Scratching. He did. As a matter of fact, the back scratcher was almost my MVP. Yeah. Okay. Then we see across the courtyard a husband and he's going out and tending flowers. And then a woman across the fence is giving him advice. And he says to her, oh, why don't you just shut up? <laughs> and we see it is Raymond Burr. Yes, our Raymond Burr. Yes, Perry Mason. Yes, Ironside. Ironside. And so uh, Thelma Ritter is massaging um, Jimmy Stewart because we don't know anybody's names yet. And she's looking out the window saying, we've become a race of peeping Toms. But she also has a nose for trouble. Mm -hmm. And she said, right here in this apartment, look out the window, seeing stuff you're not supposed to see. So she's kind of yelling at him for, for being a voyeur. Mm -hmm. Voyeur. I mean, they were all so mad at him about doing this, but he had not shit else to do. Yes. Exactly. And, yes, it's hotter than hell in the city, but if you really don't want to be seen, you have some blinds to pull down. Yeah. Yeah, they they were, I mean, this is the olden times, too, and I think people were just more, um, well, they just wanted to be cool, one, and they were just more tolerant of, like, neighbors and noise and stuff, because you have the guy that... in Greenwich Village, you would yeah. be like... Yeah. And also, he's a, it's not like, one thing, like, yeah, he has nothing to do, but he's also a professional photographer. So his whole job is to just look at things. Yeah. Observe. Yeah. True that. Okay, well, he falls asleep in his, in his wheelchair after his massage therapist leaves. And the next thing, he's waking up to the face of... <laughs> Holy freaking shit. Jeez Louise. Grace Kelly. She was gorge. Come on. I mean, we did we did high noon. And remember we said like, yeah, she looks like Grace Kelly, but none of us were impressed by her performance in high noon. True that. And True. now though, I mean There's someone who knew how to frame her in a shot. And the thing is, you look at it, Hitchcock's all hit the three movies, Dialing for Murder, This, To Catch a Thief, all Grace Kelly. You look at Hitchcock's films, he always liked an icy blonde. Yep. Imagine all the films after To Catch a Thief with all those blondes in them, and it's Grace Kelly. Those strings yeah. that she could have had. She would have been in Vertigo. She would have been in Psycho. Because Alfred Hitchcock was in love with her. Yeah. Well, who wasn't? Apparently, also, she looked like that and was the nicest person in the world. <laughs> Yeah. See, that really sucks. Okay, so he comes to to see Lisa Freeman. Wait, wait, Ma, you, you, okay, hold on. Okay, go ahead. Because the whole time, so, you know, a lot's going on because this is a Hitchcock film. This is why it's great because there's a lot of different things going on at the same time. So, right, you're getting you gotta the, pay the attention. Jeff is, you know, he's an, it laid up and stuff. And then we also learn about how 
his girlfriend, Lisa, who we haven't seen, wants to get married to him. And uh, Stella has seen Lisa, although the audience hasn't. And it's like, what the hell is your problem? She's perfect. And Jeff is just like, no, she's just she's just too perfect. I have this dangerous lifestyle. She's has her own career and stuff. It will never work out. So he's basically saying how he doesn't want to marry Lisa. And it's kind of getting to the point where she it's like shit or get off the pot. Right. Right. I mean, she could have her pick up anybody including a freaking prince of monaco <laughs> so yeah he's talking yeah he's saying she's too perfect but and um thelma ritter go no it was jimmy stewart who said who said she lives in that rarefied atmosphere of park avenue <laughs> if only she was ordinary oh, <laughs> yeah I need a woman ready to go anywhere, do anything, um, an intelligent way to approach marriage. Yeah, he goes on a rant about marriage, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And then he's window watching everybody else. Mm-hmm. So it's the evening and and we see Grace Kelly's face and she kisses him. She's in a 110, 100. dress. Thank you. Thank you. And he was not happy about that. It was gorgeous. But, and then I did the math and that dress would have cost $10,554 today. I knew you would. I knew you would. Thank you, Teeny. It was a gorgeous dress. Now, I mean, was, I have some notes about her lingerie, but yeah, her okay. dress was very nice. Um, okay, especially if you think of the 50s when it was all the shirt waist. Yeah. And then because my understanding was that, you know, everybody scrimped, scrimped, scrimped during the war. So after the war, they could be extravagant. That's why those big skirts were there because oh, yeah, they could have sense. so much extra fabric to show off. And the colors. And it had a lot of fabric. Yes. It did. Now, was that tulle? It looked like tulle. And her and her cape thing, was that tulle as well? Mm, I don't remember. Because you have a hangnail. Man, that's going to hurt. Yeah. I have one. Okay. Well, anyway, I mean, wake up to her in this. And it was Paris um, uh, Haute Couture. Oh, you can buy one that looks just like that on Etsy for $200. Wouldn't it look great on me? <laughs> you can buy all of her outfits from there, like remakes of them. I'm sure you could. All of those nice shirt waist, tuck, tuck, tuck at the waist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going to look great. Okay, so she is saying how he has this really nasty looking cigarette case. And she's sending up a classic sterling silver one so she kind of has high high society taste yeah i would just say good taste that because she brings in dinner from 21 oh my gosh i don't at this point i'm like what you're a damn fool you're laid up your girlfriend looks like grace kelly and she brought dinner to you. And did you see what the dinner was that she brought? 
Lobster and French fries. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. Unbelievable. And then she says that she planted three nice items in the column. Well, yeah, the newspaper well this column is something that him. I had because the first time. No, I guess the second time I saw this movie was in college. And the so the previous two times I saw it, I was a lot younger. I'm. I just dismissed it the first two times as just Grace Kelly's character. She's just young. She's a socialite. And she's, you know, with this other guy. It wasn't until this viewing where I was like, oh, wait a second. She has her own career. She's going to meetings. Yes. She's like, she's doing things. He's She's going through her day. She was running all around and had to find time to pick up the food between these meetings with Harper Bazaar and all these different things. These, uh, yeah. you know, she like basically like Anna Wintour or something. And right. then goes home to freshen up to to get the dinner to bring it to him like she is in love with jimmy stewart's character totally and she's totally got her own thing going she's a career woman yeah it's not his connections that got that dinner at 21 it was her connections yeah and this is before postmates and grubhub and seamless you know like she she got the food brought to him Yes. Yes. Which we're just yes. trying to get happening today. Okay. So at this point, he is still looking across the street. Now he's looking at a four level apartment building across the courtyard. I believe and so. And on the bottom floor is Miss Lonely Hearts Club. And it's really a sad situation because she's setting up a dinner for two and oh. getting all gussied up. And then she just pretends. I was like, this is what it is a look into all of our futures in the next <laughs> few weeks. So we all start pretending there's other people in our house. <laughs> or maybe we could pretend like there weren't. <laughs> and... um. So he calls her Miss Lonely Hearts Club. Then he sees Miss Torso. Miss Torso seems to me to be a Broadway dancer. Miss Torso made this movie very real for Miss Erin over here, living underneath a dancer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Because she has to practice all the time. And she can't go to wherever it was that she used to go to to practice now. Yeah, so she has to clog upstairs. Right. So, if anyone knows any good noise-canceling earbuds, (laughs) headphone brands, I'm in the market. (laughs) Okay, then we have Raymond Burr, who's on the, not the very bottom floor, but the second floor, correct? Yes, the middle floor, I believe. Right. And he's bringing dinner to his wife in bed, who appears to be, well, ungrateful. I felt like she was just faking the headache so she didn't have to have sex with him that night. But evidently she was an invalid. I, yeah, I thought he was just being nice to her at first. Yeah, I think everybody and does. he's making a phone call and he's drinking, but she is able to get out of bed and listen to what he's saying on the phone call. So what then does she, invalid mean? I thought invalid meant you couldn't get up and, and walk into another room. There's a whole new vocabulary <laughs> going on right now, people. I just want to share it with you. Okay. 
your your look has painted a picture. I get it now. <laughs> so there's an invalid and there's a true invalid who truly can't get out of bed. So obviously she's the kind who can. Can. As okay. we know well. And um, she confronts her husband and then they start to argue. At this point, the camera goes to another apartment where we see Alfred Hitchcock fixing a clock. He's, yeah, he's, he's setting the mm-hmm. clock. This is his, his he's always uh, famous for his cameos in every picture. Okay, so we see the dinner that Lisa brought to Jimmy Stewart Jeff, Jeffries. Lobster is perfect as always, and he's like disappointed because it's so freaking perfect. I want to slap him. Unbelievable. Slap him. And then. Complete with a bottle of wine. Yes. Yes. And then uh, Jimmy Stewart in his wheelchair with his leg cast and Grace Kelly. Oh, my God. They start arguing about how different people live. And through this, you understand Jimmy Stewart thinks that he's a photographer. He goes where the story is. But. Grace Kelly, the Harper's Bazaar beauty, couldn't live that kind of a lifestyle. Which, if you're looking at it from his point of view, like just strictly his narrow-minded point of view, if he's a a war sort of, you know, photographer, because he says, have you ever had fish head and rice? And she's like, no. And he's like, well, if you come with me, that's what you're going to have. And have you ever been in, like, a plane that is... Uh, you know sub below freezing and you know you can't have crates and stuff you have to only have one suitcase that has everything in it you know he was very what is that word ostentatious uh, not no. really mansplaining but, uh, say that again like mansplaining i didn't well, really yeah, think it was mansplaining totally but that. he was kind of like um <laughs> Like giving him the, like yeah, it is the fifty, so he is kind of uh totally dismissive. dismissing a woman's point of view. Yeah, and I don't like, know though. I kind of think he I'll give it to him. At least he was like, Look, this is how it's gonna be if you're gonna be with me and yeah. he wasn't like leading her on and like, Oh yeah, everything's gonna be perfect and then he's like, Oh, now we're up here in freezing temperatures eating fish stew. Yeah, I And she's like, I didn't know what I was getting into. I thought thought that he set out his, especially when I I rewatched it again, because I was paying attention to that, because there is, you know, when you watch these older movies and stuff, just the the patriarchy of everything. And then you, you, Mm -hmm. like, once you're more aware of it, you're like, well, fuck you. So I was, I was on the lookout for that, but I was kind of like, no, he is making his points of, from his point of view, what it's going to be. Like Teeny said. Yeah, I saw it on both sides. Truly, Mm -hmm. I did. I saw him say, look, this is the truth of the matter. You're not going to be able to uh, apply your, you're not going to be able to use your hair dryer, your handheld hair dryer in the middle of the Sierra. And you probably can't wear that dress. Right. But then yeah, there's for, a lot of material. But then for her point of view, it's like, well, this is the only um like scene setting that you've ever seen me in right you've only seen me she's like i can adapt yeah exactly exactly 
Although with from that dress to adapting, that is a big leap because yeah. that was a gorgeous dress. Okay, but but then it seemed to end the evening with, were they breaking up? Were they not breaking up? And she was kind of like, you don't think either of us could change? And he's going, I don't think so. And then she gets to the door and goes, uh, he goes, uh, am I going to see you again? And she's like. Well, not until tomorrow. Well, so because kind of- she says that she makes the point that she just really loves him and that it doesn't matter under what circumstances and where they are. And then she just feels bad that it's that according to him, the only way that she's going to be able to be around him is with the subscription to a magazine. Right. And so then right. she's kind of like, and this isn't the kind of woman that I thought that I was. So now she has to do some thinking and it's just in the way that it's played and everything, you're just like, you're like, oh man, you know, cause you're watching this, you're like, Grace Kelly, you can do so much better. But then you realize like, no, this is who Lisa wants. This is who she's right. in love with. And now right. the guy, and she's been doing all of this stuff to like, you know, make her case, even though <laughs> there's no case that needs to be made. It's just like, my case is I show up if I'm Grace Kelly. Uh, and then she, she's just like, well, great. Now, I, and he just wants it to be the status quo because he's laid up. It's not like he's going anywhere. He's like, can't we just have it the way that it, it is now? And, you know, she's at that, she's 24. She's at that point in her life. <laughs> Oh, yeah, a point people used to have. And then he turns to the windows and then there's a scream and you hear glass breaking. Oh, wow. Okay, people, help me out here. And there's a thunderstorm. he goes back to sleep and then there's thunder and there's rain and you see people across the courtyard there was one couple who brought their mattress out on their um fire escape because mm-hmm. it was so hot and they had to get it back in mm-hmm. and but then you can see the hallway of the building across the street and at 2:40 you see Raymond Burr come back in with this like metal suitcase and then Raymond Burr goes out again with the suitcase Jimmy Stewart falls asleep. He wakes back up. Raymond Burr's back with the suitcase. Asleep, Raymond Burr and a woman leave the apartment. Yes. Now, through this all, you could see the hallway. You could see the blinds in the apartment. There was no music. There was just a whole lot of facial expressions. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I'm getting a lot of facial expressions back at me. Okay. Now, the next morning was one of my favorite things to happen. Because there's a lady on the fourth floor. She has a basket and a lever system where she lowers the basket. She's got a puppy in the basket. The puppy gets out of the basket on the ground floor, does his business. They call him, he gets back in the basket, they pull him back up to their apartment. And can I tell you how many times Adam and I have talked about 
a system like that in our old apartments. I bet. So we could see our backyard and not get to it. Yes, and exactly. Perfect for Mac. For I Mac, you but guys, could you think of Tony or Chandler? Because the two of them pulling Chandler or Tommy, Tommy. back up. I got oh. the Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But I did think of you. I thought it was perfect. I know. So the next morning, the puppy is in the basket. He does his business. He gets back in the basket. Stella, the nurse, comes back in. And they're talking about all the apartment peeps. And then they're talking about Raymond Burr and how he's a salesman. And how he was taking something out of the apartment last night. And now the shades are up. And Raymond Burr is looking out the window. And... Jimmy Stewart says, it's the kind of look a man gives when he's afraid someone is watching him. <laughs> and then the adorable little puppy starts digging in Raymond Burr's flowers. Uh, Raymond Burr, then we see him cleaning that, that metal suitcase thing. And it appears that he's selling... Jew, not high-end jewelry, costume but costume jewelry. jewelry. Wholesale. Exactly. So at this point, Jimmy Stewart's getting more interested than just binoculars. So he puts a telephoto fence. <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? His telephoto fence on. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like you do. Or lens. Or lens. <laughs> fence or lens. Lens on his camera. And he sees that Raymond Burr is cleaning up a hacksaw and a huge butcher knife and wrapping them in newspaper and then going and taking a nap on his couch. You know, like you do. Like you do. Now, it's nighttime. This was a problematic episode because Lisa... A.K.A. Grace Kelly, A.K.A. Princess of Monaco, is sitting on Jimmy Stewart's lap kissing him, and his only attention is on the neighbors. <laughs> yeah. And he's going, there's something terribly wrong. And um, then he talks about how the guy went out, he came back, and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then... He comes back with a rope. Dun, dun, dun. And Grace Kelly is worried about Jimmy Stewart. She's like thinking, oh, you're all you do is look out these windows. You've got a mental thing going on. As some people do at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's worried about him. Then we see that the steamer trunk is roped up to a dolly and the mattress is rolled up on Raymond Burr's Because the whole time, you know, it's Grace Kelly is all kissing on him and stuff. And he's just kind of like, where's the wife, though? Like, I haven't seen her. She's an invalid. And Grace Kelly is like, eh, well, you know, like, you know, Grace Kelly doesn't want to hear anything about it. It's just like, whatever, you're, you're crazy. She's trying to be romantic. Right. And he's just like, but there's just something not right about this. It just doesn't make sense. She's an invalid. Where could she have gone? 
And then when they, isn't that when she sees the the trunk that she's like, all right, I need you to start from yeah. the beginning and tell she me everything. Well, in. Yeah, you you might have a point here. It was with it was with the alligator handbag. She, yeah, when, oh, and she was like, oh my god, every woman has a handbag that they sleep with on their bedposts, and I was like, oh my god, have I been keeping my handbag in the wrong place? Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't come into the bedroom. And at that point, Grace Kelly says, let's start at the beginning. Jeff, tell me everything. So it's the evening. Was that also, though, when she was like, well, (laughs) every woman always brings their perfume, their makeup. And I forgot what else. Everywhere they go. Unless they go to the hospital. Yeah, I, that was where Grammy would have said, "Do you have a an emery board? All all ladies carry emery board." <laughs> and Grammy was such a lady. <laughs> she was such a lady. Well, okay, so uh, but the one shot of Raymond Burr smoking, all you see is the window with oh, just scary. the end of the cigarette. That was scary. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next day, the um. Uh, okay, Jimmy Stewart calls his police friend and he's telling him all Doyle. about it. And the police friend is having a day off. Stella brings him breakfast. And then Stella's looking across going, just where do you suppose he cut her up? He better get that trunk out of there before it starts to leak. <laughs> yes, just Stella coming in with all the good ones. At that point, two men come and take the trunk away. And she goes, I'm going to go check out who, what is the name on that freight truck? And Raven Burr makes a phone call. Then the detective comes to Jimmy Stewart's house. Oh, wow. I don't know what that means. Is this when Grace Kelly was there? No. It's been no, because, she hasn't shown um, up yet. Yeah. Jimmy Stewart's telling the detective all the evidence they have. The dog was digging. And the detective comes back they, and saying that uh, Raymond Burr and his wife left their apartment at 6 a.m. The building superintendent and two other tenants saw them. He put his, tra- his wife on a train to the country. So um, they want to search the apartment. By tomorrow, might not be ev- any evidence left. At this point, it was one hour into the movie. Guys, right now, if you haven't seen it, go go watch it. Because we're about to spoil the fuck out of this thing. Yeah, and it's such a good it's movie. It's such teeny. You it hadn't is. seen it. It's a I had good not movie. seen it. It is a good movie. There you go. I just wanted to point out another time when uh, the police friend is there and Grace Kelly's there. Well, she was there and she was like by herself with him. And she was like, okay, I'm going to go heat up some brandy. And then his police friend came over and she was like, instead of being mad, she was just like, okay. Well, because she brought her lingerie over and everything. Like, oh, look, I only brought one suitcase. And then instead of being mad that his buddy was there, she just was like, oh, here, I heated you up some brandy. It was yeah, her yeah. brandy she gave she's to just him. Like, yeah, the best. She's just the best. She is she the, best. the best. 
And the way she scaled that window in heels. In heels. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, that is, that, that is, was some parkour shit because it wasn't, it was the fire escape. But then when the window was broken, she goes on the outside of the ledge and basically just parkours it in a light colored floral print and heels. And heels. That I have that as a, as a runner up. MVP. Oh, it's in my reheatables. Her dealing with that shit in heels. Okay. Uh, POC count? None. They they don't exist in this film. Nope. And nerd alert. Oh, guys, buckle in. Buckle in for the rest of this podcast because we got a lot to share. All right. So let's set the scene. As I said, this film came out in September 1st, 1954. So if you went to go see this film, this is all some things leading up to it to set your mind. Marilyn Monroe married Joe DiMaggio. Oh, that was big. The first U.S. The first nuclear submarine, the USS Nautilus, was launched. Queen Elizabeth II started her reign in 1954. She did. This is February of 1954. Eisenhower warns against intervention in Vietnam. He's like, guys. Seriously, 1954? 1954. Nerd alert. Jimmy Stewart's son, Ronald, was killed in action. He was a lieutenant in the Marines in 1969. Wow. The first mass vaccination for polio started in Pittsburgh. Bill Haley and his comets rocked around the clock. The United States Air Force Academy was founded. In April of the year, Eisenhower delivered his famous speech on domino theory about how communism would spread. Which, spoiler alert, basically ends up why we get involved in Vietnam. So I thought it was real rich that in February he was like, we shouldn't, we shouldn't intervene. And then by April he was like, mm, the domino theory. That was because um, a bunch of stuff happened with France and Vietnam in those months. On April 11th, 1954... It is considered the most boring day in the 20th century. There's no significant events that happen. No births nor deaths are known to have happened. Oh, my God. Wow. So if your birthday is April 11th, 1954, I'd kind of like it. I'd like to be in that just tranquil zone. This boring Brown versus the Board of Education was decided. So schools were desegregated. Um, Joseph McCarthy was told by Joseph Welch, have you at long last no decency? No, he had no decency. Here's, I thought this was interesting. Under God was added to the Pledge of Allegiance yes. in 1954. In 54, really? Yeah, it, it wasn't always a part of that. It wasn't always a part do of that. Do you think that that had something to do with Eisenhower's domino theory? You know, yeah. communism spreading, and they're like, oh, guys, why don't we add this under God to the Pledge of Allegiance? But I do find some people have no trouble pledging to something that they have no no allegiance to allegiance to or 
not going to follow it. I can pledge it, but I ain't following it. Yeah. So I'm just saying. That's, uh, that's why there's a thing called perjury. Like, it's written in there. People are going to swear something and they're going to lie. Um, Personal tidbit. The miracle of Bern occurred. West Germany won the 1954 World Cup 3-2 over Hungary. This would be the first star of eventually four stars for the DFB. And the f- this is when Aaron chooses to be German. <laughs> this, hey, I, I always used to be German. I'm the first one to be like, oh, Nazis. <laughs> Guys. Yeah, not a good look. Not a... Ugh. What is that? Lo siento, lo siento, lo siento. <laughs> uh, the first Indochina war officially ended, and that was, uh, look that up, because that set the stage for Vietnam. V- yeah. Every other Indonesian it basi- war. It basically split Vietnam in half, yeah. and that's yeah. why. So basically 1954 is why is uh, the ramp up of Vietnam. It's the escalation. Yeah. So that's it's just, true. that set the table. For the the movie, because I only went up to September of what if people had seen it, this is what they would have lived through for wow. those months. Okay, now. I had already turned two. Yes. Now, more nerd alerts. <gasps> this oh, there drink. is. Oh yeah. <laughs> this movie rear window is responsible for a United States Supreme Court case. What? Stewart versus Aubin. It was decided on April 24th, 1990. So, our good man, Woolrich Cornell, the guy who wrote the story, he sold the literary rights to popular publications in February 1942. And in February 1942, popular publications published this short story in their Dime Detective magazine. Three years later, he sold the movie rights to a production company and agreed under contract to renew those rights when the 28-year copyright was up. So basically in 28 years, if I understood this correctly, which I may not have because I am not a legal scholar, that in 28 years when the copyright was up, that he was going to give the literary rights and the movie rights to the same people so they would be joined and not split like they had been and so then in 1953 patron inc which was the production company that jimmy stewart and and alfred hitchcock formed they bought the rights for ten thousand dollars so that's how they made the movie so then in 1968, Woolrich died, and that was before the 28-year literary rights came up. So then the literary rights went to the executor, which happened to be Chase Manhattan Bank. And so then Chase Manhattan Bank sold the movie rights to Sheldon, Sheldon Abin for $650. And then Abin refused to honor the contract when those were up and sell to sell the owner of the movie rights. So, so to basically give the movie rights to Stewart. So it was this whole thing because of who had the rights. Cause Abin was like, I own the rights. And Jimmy Stewart was like, well, no, no, we had it under contract that when the 28 years was up, that we were going to get the rights to everything. So we would have the rights. And so then 
they went to the Supreme Court and the court ruled that control reverts to the author or the author's successor. And they ruled this to protect the author and the author's heirs from being derived of surprising value of the work. Oh. So even though he had it under contract, the Supreme Court said, yeah, you had it under contract with my man, but my man died. So that right. voided that contract. Right. So his people and whoever has those rights, they revert back to them. So now you need to deal with them for getting that. Damn. Yeah. Um, no, another nerd alert. The set designers, Hal Pereira and Joseph McMullen Johnson, they were the ones responsible for this whole thing because all of this was filmed inside Paramount Studios. Yeah. It took and it was very expensive. Yeah, and it took six weeks. They basically mimicked a Greenwich Village courtyard. They even had a drainage system and an intricate lighting system to make it look natural in the day and night shots. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> they It was based on a real courtyard at 125 Christopher Street and the uh, in New York City. And the apartments, there were 31 apartments and eight of them were fully furnished. With water, running water, and everything, because I heard Torso Girl actually lived in that apartment. Oh. During yeah. the filming of this. It takes. Okay. The, the, any oh. more nerd alerts? Yes. Hold on. Oh, my God. Excuse me. The sound work in this is fantaculous. Fantacular. It's fantacular and fantaculous and meticulous. They work to incorporate natural sound and how the sounds would go and waft in and out of buildings and stuff to make it seem natural. Nailed it. They did. Okay. When you watch this, if you get it from iTunes, you're going to see a Universal Studios thing. Yes. This was a Paramount film. So my man, man, Hitchcock, he retained his copyrights of his films, which is not something that happens a lot. We saw a Paramount one. Exactly, because he made it for Paramount Studios, but he, being business savvy and a.k.a. the man, he was like, he retained his rights. So then in 1980, he retained the copyright. So then in 1983, Universal required, acquired the rights to this film from the Hitchcock estate. So that's ah. why you see at the beginning Universal, because now Universal has the rights to it. But if it, uh, originally it had been Paramount, but Hitchcock retained the rights to it. Wow. Um, okay. Now, for all of our murderinos out there. According to an interview with Francois Truffaut, the famous French critic who went on to become a filmmaker in his own right, Hitchcock said that there were two real cases that this film was kind of in- loosely inspired by. There was the 1910 case of Dr. Howley Crippen and the 1924 case of Patrick Mohan. So Dr. Howley Crippen, he was convicted of killing his wife. He told people that she went to America because this was in Britain. And then everybody got real suspicious of my main man when he was out about on town with the secretary. And then they mm-hmm. found body parts in his home. Mm-hmm. But now they're... And so then he got convicted. He got hanged. And 
there there are crippins in the United States and his and other places who are like, hold on a second, because this is a huge famous case in Britain, and now there's a whole thing of like, did he really do it? Because he it is said that he poisoned his wife, but poison and mutilation tend to be two different. Uh, what is oh. it called? You know what I mean? Like somebody yeah. who poisoned, they do you poison somebody because you don't want to outwardly know that you killed them, and like mutilation is a whole other different oh, yeah. psychology kind mind of thing. hunters. Right. Two different categories in mind hunters. Right. So I think that they should cover this on my favorite murder if they haven't already. Ooh, yeah. Well done. And then Mohan, he dismembered his pregnant girlfriend and threw pieces of her from a train window <clears throat> except for except for her head because he couldn't get that through the window and that he buried which inspired the doggy exactly mm. was it that was it the head that the dog was trying to dig up they, pretty, they didn't specify they pretty but much kind of said it did though, because at the end box. he he opened it at the end, they said, well, he dug it up because the dog was, you know, fishing around mm-hmm. there. And then they said that it was in a hat box. Hat box. And then so Thelma Ritter head. gives that look and you're like, it's the head. That's what I thought. Mm. So where I went. Those are my nerd alerts. Okay. Gone with the bushes. We are to reheatables best and worst. Ah, Okay. Okay, I'm going to go first go. because the number one best reheatable all time, the dog basket. <laughs> yeah, that's a good reheatable. I wish I had that. Not Come now, but. on. Yeah. I mean. Dog basket uh, okay. was, it was, and you know what? It was, I liked it because you could tell that I I believe that that man was a uh, a veteran of the Navy just based on all those knots and how everything was uh, evenly exactly. proportioned. And, yeah. you know, I don't think they did that for every time. I'm sure they watched their dogs some, but at, as Adam pointed out, those are for his, like, nighttime pee-pees mm-hmm. and his exactly. morning time Exactly. Or a case of distress. Something yeah. didn't go well. I thought it was genius. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. Some people said that it was a childless couple. I felt like that was judge judgmental. Oh, I thought their kids are older, maybe. Or why do they? Why does that even have to enter into it? They have a dog. They love their dealing with the dog. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't think of that either. Okay, next reheatable: uh, Grace Kelly's wardrobe. Well, I guess uh, on top of that should be Grace Kelly. Don't step on my reheatables. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, Grace Kelly becoming a detective, uh, like a, a yeah. physically fit parkour detective. Exactly. Is- you had to have some core strength to walk in those stilettos on those fire escapes. Yeah. Okay. Her overnight. Oh, bag. wait a second, though. Nerd alert. I mean, her mother in real life was a physical fitness teacher. So, Uh-oh. of course. Her overnight bag, where like bag, she opened it and the, the fluff just came out. Yeah, I mean, I the bag. 
It was, it was I, very like a, a little briefcase, and then it just had all this stuff in it. And I felt like it was a, a name brand at the time, but I didn't know the Probably. name brand. Also, that she packed slippers. I was just like, uh-huh. Grace Kelly. Uh-huh. Unbelievable. Uh, the music from the music apartment. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was, a, and Edith Head being the costume designer. Um, okay, I have others that I just wrote. Uh, okay, those are quotables. Grace Kelly putting down her book at the end f- to pick up Harper's Bazaar. Yeah, because she was reading a book, and then when she saw that Jeff was asleep, she was like, you know exactly. what? Exactly. I'm willing to do that, but I also still have this interest. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So those were my positive reheatables. All right, Teeny, next. Um, you hit on a lot of them, but I thought the lady in the green dress having quarantine dinner with all of her friends, imaginary friends, was a <laughs> topical reheatable. <laughs> I, but when I was watching it, I just felt like they were all in quarantine and were not allowed to leave because nobody ever left, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Unless you were up to no good. That's true. Yep. Yeah. That's um, absolutely true. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I have more, and you hit on most of the other ones that I have for my positive ones. I have a couple not, non Okay, good, good, okay. good. Oh, all right. Yeah, that's right. We started with the good ones. Usually we start with the bad ones. Um, I guess I messed that up today. It's okay. So I already said how Grace Kelly's Lisa was an independent career woman, how she was fearless and showed athletic climbing ability in that light-colored floral print and heels. Um, I love the scene where she's in there and how she has the wedding ring and she flashes it and then how Lars looks and that's how he knows where Jeff is. Um, Okay. This is one that... I don't know if there's ever been a film that we've done that falls into this category, but before this whole uncertain time started, I had started um, freeze because I got an air fryer drink, people, and oh ninja! It really, it really changes the way you think about okay. reheatables and what is reheatable. Because now French fries used to be like I can't get them crispy enough. Now you got that. You can't get them crispy enough. So I would start freezing things. And I looked into my freezer on Friday because I, I, you know, I was kind of, it was Friday. I, I just wanted to piece together meals that I had trying to be frugal and stuff. And I came across three fried chicken wings. And it was, this movie is like those three fried chicken wings as far as reheatables go. Because usually you have a good reheatable. It's just something you had last night. You put it in the refri- you put it in the microwave. It comes back to life. This was something that was in in the back of the freezer. Had freezer burn on it. Took them, took those bad boys out. Put them in the ninja drink. And then those things brought, single-handedly brought the dinner together. It was a fantastic dinner. This movie, if we had done it two months ago yeah. in January, we would yeah. not have been as enthusiastic and over the moon about it. This 
whole uncertain times has made this movie just pop back to life I like agree. those flowers it's unbelievable how how everything how you're watching it and you just instantly because of your mindset of being stuck in the apartment it just means it just takes on this whole extra layer of meaning and makes it even more enjoyable I yeah, I and totally I will say agree. that him watching his neighbors in general is a reheatable, and I didn't think it was creepy at all, and I totally relate. Like, when we're at the beach, that's all I'm doing is exactly. listening. Exactly, yes. and we count on you for that. When we sit in the backyard, I can tell you everything about the, all the neighbors that are back there. That's right. That's me during the week. I'm looking. I'm like, who's wearing a mask? Who's not? Why are these people leaving so much? What's going on? Yes, exactly. Also, Grace Kelly, she never smoked in movies. That was her hard and fast rule. So in this film, though, and this is why Alfred Hitchcock liked working with her, because you'll notice she takes out a cigarette. It cuts away to her. The cigarette's lit. You don't see her. Then it comes back to her. She has the lit cigarette and she puts it out. So Grace Kelly does not smoke on screen. Exactly. You get the impression that she does, but Mm -hmm. there's no true evidence that she does. It was her compromise. And this is the only, I believe this is the only picture in her career, in her oeuvre, where she even like is holding a cigarette. That was my information Mm -hmm. as well. And finally, my best reheatable is the Irish Irish and German jeans because my god Grace Kelly Grace Kelly is so pretty that it made me think like wait do I think that she's so pretty because she's just blonde and blue-eyed like I had to yeah. go in it made you me gotta d- it go made me think deep. about about beauty standards and is it just because of this and then I ultimately came around it was like no I've seen a lot of blonde-haired blue-eyed people and they don't look like her and they've been in your immediate family. Um, so I was just like, <gasps> can you imagine? Wait, stop. Imagine. Everybody? Mm-hmm. Grace Kelly. Paul Newman. My, my head exploded. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Just pick up the pieces. They were not pro- worthy. Their kids probably, would have, worthy. Been, their kids probably oh. would have been super ugly. It would have been all the recessive genes came out. <laughs> it would have been like, what? They produced that? Oh my god. Um, okay. Okay, but also, okay, so I got I got to find the good Grace Kelly but like either autobiography or biopic to read cuz I'm I'm back on the Grace Kelly train. Mm-hmm. She had a bit of a reputation. Yeah. Um for having affairs with her co-stars. Yeah. And one of the men that she had an affair with was the wife was like best friends with Jimmy Stewart's wife. And Jimmy Stewart, he didn't get married until he was in his 40s. So he was out and about on the town, being a bit of a DiCaprio, if you know what I mean. And then he finally settled down. So Jimmy Stewart's wife was like, excuse me? You're doing a film with with who? With Grace Kelly? Oh, sure. Not only is she Grace Kelly, but my friend, um, her, her husband had an affair with Grace Kelly. Like, what the hell? So... His Stuart's wife was was like always on set and stuff. And Thelma, yeah. And Thelma Ritter said Thelma Ritter says that nothing happened, but Thelma Ritter also says, you know, Grace Kelly was a flirt. Like, look at her. Like she, yeah, she was a flirt. 
So, you know. Like the policemen say when they take her downtown, she not she not going to be locked up long. Yeah, exactly. Like, the policemen will throw in some money for her. Oh, so my God. I was yeah. like, yeah, Thelma Rue was like, nothing happy with her and Jimmy Stewart. But, um, yeah, when she passed away, Jimmy Stewart was like, everybody basically said how she was just so serene, how she, how... You know, people would meet her and think because of how she looked a certain way. And everybody was just like, she was so nice and just serene. And so that's why I just want to do more deep diving and just be like, like these perfect people don't exist. Yeah. Hey, come on. Yeah. 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 She was pretty close to perfect. Okay. Negative reheatables. I'm going to start because that's what I do. The ogling of the torso girl. Yeah, but I that that would I just happen. She was having a good time. Yeah, yeah, that would happen though. It doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> okay, Raymond Burr's gray hair was a bit over the top. Mm. I have a tasty nugget about that. Okay, good. Um, when she is sitting there kissing Jimmy Stewart, and he's only interested in what's going on across the courtyard stand up slap him and walk out yeah, yeah. But you would you would have no movie this is hitchcock giving the audience what they want they want the the quotation mark naggy wife quotation mark <laughs> okay when Wait, jimmy who stewart was the naggy wife the the one they got killed yeah oh, uh-huh. yeah because so then it's okay <laughs> Um, Jimmy Stewart told her to shut up twice. <laughs> he did. I didn't like that. He was like, well, why'd you, why would I just shut up? I didn't like that. Um, the detective totally dismissing Grace Kelly's observation of what women would and wouldn't do. Yes. Um... The landlord needed to be notified if she was going to stay over. I forgot to write that down. But yeah, yes. right. <laughs> Seriously? And then, of course, the biggest negative reheatable of all. Rest in peace, little doggy. <laughs> yeah. They killed that dog. They oh, killed the dog Lars for nothing. Broke that yeah. dog's neck and just left and then it they there. Just, like wheeled it right on up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so he kills the dog and he leaves it out there. Wouldn't he have like killed it and gotten rid of it? Like the, you know, right, like the been... lady. Exactly. Yeah. Also, exactly. When the dog's mom was like. Which one of you did this? And I was like, well, probably not any of the people hanging around. Exactly. And then uh, that big party, they were just like, all right, let's get back to party. Yeah. yeah. They said it's only the dog. But then the, I think the, my honorable mention, I didn't write it down, so I'll just mention it now. Honorable MVP has to go to Miss Lonely Heart, one, for putting the dead dog in the basket, and two, the husband who gets it out of the basket and then like, gives it to the woman, and the woman's like, no, wait, what the, I don't, no, I'm what just do you want <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, God, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, but you knew it was coming. Oh, that was a three dots. You know, was, you see the dog right away, it's three dots. Chekhov's dog instead of Chekhov's yeah. gun. Da, da, da. Uh, 
Okay, negative reheatables. Teeny? Uh, my first one was that giant leg cast. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, I mean, what did he... If he broke his hip, that's one thing. If he broke every bone in his leg, maybe. Yeah, I but, don't... But yeah. it was like the 50s. Also, when he broke... When in the end, <laughs> they show him with two broken legs. That was funny. So is that just a total chap situation with the cast? Where it's just connected so, yeah. and everything yeah. under, under you know, where the good Lord yeah. splits you is open? Yeah, not enough yeah. Vaseline to get us through this. Um, her lingerie, I mean, I just didn't like it. And Adam even said, when she changed, she was like, ooh, let me slip into something. He exactly. Was like, he said, ooh, what she was wearing before was so much sexier. <laughs> exactly. You're more covered up uh, now than you've ever been in this. Yeah. Um, and then also all the doors and windows in New York City without burglar bars. Oh, yes. Ah. That's a good point. Oh, just all wide open. Yeah. And those are my negatives. Good job. Oh, that's, that's true. Um, okay, my negatives is... If this movie was made now, there's no way that Lisa, a.k.a. Grace Kelly, wouldn't be wearing yoga pants when she went on her special ops mission. Like, what? you know, how much how much fabric has to get over the fire escape? And and the fact just it wasn't like she was wearing a brown or black dress. She was wearing a light colored dress. Exactly. Didn't even change into flats. Well, she didn't have them because she was only allowed one suitcase. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And, so and it true. had to take up all the fabric of her nighttime uh, apparel. It's so true. Um, the the flash bulbs that people today have no idea of flash bulbs, yeah. and they they were like his survival hinged on the flash bulbs. Yeah, I did feel like, dude, you got to do something more than that. But it worked, and those things were pretty bright. Oh, they were bright. So, they were bright it, it back in good. the day. Um, okay, this is kind of going on something that TD said. Like, I thought that it was great, the couple sleeping out on the fire escape. But then I wonder, like, there's no way that I would do that now. Like, just to, and I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't pinpoint why that wouldn't happen now. And then it was like, yeah, burglar bars on the windows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then here's a nerd alert. That I didn't put in my nerd alerts, but I could put it in here because truth be told, I ran out of space for the nerd alert section. Um, so all of the actors that were in the apartments, they had earpieces where Alfred Hitchcock could tell them what was going on. And so when it started to rain, Alfred Hitchcock told the husband to pull one way and he told the wife to pull the opposite direction so that's why they have that struggle when they're trying to get in and it ultimately ended up with the guy just falling into the window and it was one take because hitchcock loved it so much yeah i read that he just liked messing with all of them oh yeah yeah Yeah. so those those were um what I had for my my bad reheatables. Okay, well we are two quotables. I've done a few. Oh yeah, quotables. Okay. Like uh, swamp of boredom. I believe everybody can identify with that. Mm-hmm. 
the rarefied atmosphere of Park Avenue. Um, um, Stella saying, just where do you suppose he cut her off? And then he better get that trunk out of there before it starts to leak. Because <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I'm like, That's that shit's going to leak. I know, I know. Um, and then... Uh, Jimmy Stewart saying to Grace Kelly, you have a great talent creating difficult situations. And the last one was, I love funny exit lines. Yeah, that was so with sarcasm. Yeah. Um, oh, is it my, uh, do you mm-hmm. have more? Oh, my turn. Okay. I, have, I The whole part when he was talking about marriage in the beginning, he was like, I'm going to get married and then I'll never be able to go anywhere. <laughs> exactly. I know. Like, he was, he was like, well, why, wives don't nag anymore. They discuss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a good one applicable to now or people ought to get what people ought to do is go outside their own homes and look inside sometimes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, when Grace Kelly came over for the first time, she said, I can't think of anything more boring or tiresome than what you've been through about him <laughs> being stuck at home. Yeah, yeah. Oh, because you know she would be uh, dying now. Like her yes. character, Lisa. Uh-huh. Um, when the dog got killed. And so he said, well, why would anyone want to kill a little dog? Maybe because it knew too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then... This might have been our favorite line, but at the very end, when everything's getting back to normal and Miss Torso's uh, boyfriend or yes. whatever, and he comes in the house and he said, "Boy, the army's made me hungry. What do you got in the icebox?" I know. <laughs> this gorgeous woman who everyone has been lusting over, and he's like, "What's in the fridge?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, is that it? Mm-hmm. All right, I like um, so. There's this great shot. It shows the shot basically where it's this. I think it's like, I don't know what. It's auto racing. And he. it's the shot that basically jacked him. And the guy on the phone says, I didn't ask you to stand in the middle of an automobile racetrack. Exactly. That shot. Yeah. Um, and then, okay. Jeff says, because he's, he's referring to uh, the Miss Torso. And all of the, the, she has like gentleman suitors over. Yes, she does. And so Jeff said, she's like a queen bee with her pick of the drones. And mm-hmm. Lisa says, I'd say she's doing a woman's hardest job juggling wolves. And the whole, yes. and I thought like the whole, that was, I was like, damn, juggling wolves. And then the whole, that whole scene is set up at the beginning. He said that it resembled her apartment. And then at the end, of that scene you know she says the juggling wolves and then she says like oh well she's not in love with any of them and he's like oh well, how could you tell just by seeing it and she says you said it resembled my apartment didn't you and then she walks mm-hmm. away and i was like mm-hmm. and then oh and then lisa says at one point she says if it's anything i know it's how to wear the proper clothes and I was like, do you, Lisa? But then she showed that she did at the end with her yeah, dungarees. Yeah, she could do anything in that. Yeah, yeah. She's like, exactly. She's like, oh, you must not know about me. <laughs> you must not know about me. Okay. Okay. So we're to MVP. Yes. So I have a runner-up. I have a 
What's the thing between runner-up and MVP? Uh, oh, that's it. Yeah, it's, okay. like, it's either runner-up well, okay. or honorable mention. I think you call honorable it Honorable mention. My runner-up is the dog basket. Mm-hmm. You that's love that. My, uh, whatever the next one was, was Grace Kelly in her high heels being able to navigate those fire escapes. But my MVP... Facial expressions. Are you talking about oh, Jimmy Stewart's eye acting? Jimmy Stewart and also, um, what's her name? Stella. Thelma Ritter. Mm-hmm. Thelma Ritter as they're looking across the courtyard and you can only see their reactions to what's happening. Yeah, the, are you talking about like specifically the scene where Lisa's gone in and she's in the apartment and then you're just watching. Like, that is just, that's just film school right there. You just play, and they did in film school, is play that scene. And because it's the whole thing about, like, okay, just to nerd out a bit, the thing that makes Hitchcock the master of suspense is because he knew that if you, if a bomb goes off, boom, you get a jump scare and you've scared the audience once. But if you show a bomb and it's got a clock ticking and you show it under the seat of a bus and it's got a a kid is sitting on the seat of the bus and you keep clicking back to it. Now the audience is like, that's the definition of suspense because you know that this bomb's going to go off and it's on a bus and the audience knows it, but the people inside it don't know it. And that's where suspense happens. So that whole scene you're, and also the genius of this movie is that it takes you into a point of view because a lot of the shots are POV, so you become the voyeur. So you're with Jimmy Stewart, and you're looking, and you've sent Grace Kelly, beautiful, angelic I Grace know. Kelly, into danger, and there's nothing you can do about it. You have to watch. And when you see the guy and he turns around, you don't even see Grace Kelly. She's obscured by the brick wall. And... You just see that guy's reaction and you're like, no, he's seeing something else. And then you see Grace Kelly back up and you're just like, oh, my God. Exactly. What the hell? Exactly. So that's cinema right there. I was cinema. Okay. Other MVPs? Uh, Well, first, my MVP was just going to be Thelma Ritter in general. Because I loved it so much. Yep. But then, if I want to be more specific, it was the day that Lisa had when she was like, well, I had to go to the office, and then I had to go have a drink with so-and-so, and then I had to go back and do this meeting, and then I had to go have a drink with so-and-so, and then I had to go to this, and then I had to go have a drink, and then I went home to freshen up, and now she's going to have a drink at her man's house. And that just felt like a great day. It, it, doesn't it? it? Yeah. And- I'm sorry it was rough for you, but... Let me live it. Let me also point out just another notch on Grace Kelly's belt that she did all of that in New York City in a heat wave. So you know how yeah. grimy, not a well, bead of sweat. She didn't have enough money to take a car, though. She was taking a car everywhere. Because at first I was like, they do live far away. He's in Greenwich Village. She said she lived on 63rd Street. 
but she wasn't taking the subway. No, she it wasn't. But bad, still, like, there were no. She at one point, got the the meal delivery guy. Look at a this. Cab. <laughs> I got pit yeah. stains already here. She had none. Yeah, no, she was Uber before Uber happened. Yeah, Somebody on the street she goes, was Uber everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, my MVP is is Alfred Hitchcock. Of course. Yeah, of course. I mean, like, the, I already went through the whole thing. And I would just also like to point out, you know, sometimes there's movies, there's different things that you can just, you can listen to them. You, you can put them on and you're doing something else. And you can listen to them. You can't listen to a Hitchcock film. You got to watch no. it because he's in the show. Don't tell show the what, audience. What? Wait, what's happening right now? Yeah. You got to see it. You can't, yeah. you can't just be like, Oh, I, 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 I figured it. Okay. LVP least valuable player was mm-hmm. when the dog had to die. I'm sorry. Yeah. Is that your least valuable as well? Teeny? Um, that or her lingerie. My least valuable. Uh Oh, is Detective Tom Doyle. Yeah, Tom Doyle was a... Was Tom a, Doyle was a dick. He... Yeah. The, the scene where he comes back in and they have a good five-minute scene where he's basically just fucking with somebody he says is his friend, but you can tell that they're not really friends. He just uh-huh. keeps him around because he's a police detective. Because he, he was like, do you want to embarrass me or you want to solve the case? And Doyle's like, mm, both... And then he's going, like, drinking his booze and stuff. And then it's been five minutes. And then he goes, oh, by the way, I got this thing I have to look up. It's, uh-huh. um, he said that the wife um, signed for it in Merrittsville or whatever. Like, you don't lead with that. He was such a dick. Yeah, he was. And You're then, right. And he, he comes, and when he, like, comes back and, and he, I mean, Miss Torso doing her moves, yeah, but he had like a super creepy look on his face when he yes, was watching her. Yes, not just a, oh my God, look at her. No, yes. he was like, had this mm. really creepy face. He had a, he had at least two line deliveries, which was the end of a scene towards Jeff, Jimmy Stewart's character, where you were just like, that guy's a dick. I was just like, fuck you, Doyle. And then at the and then at the end he he like he doesn't even have his own gun he he has to like yell yeah, to some like, guy throw me that thirty yeah he's like yeah. thirty eight and stuff and I was just like my man like you couldn't even I've been I've been watching a lot of uh, Law and Order with my main man Briscoe and stuff and this they would have done a little bit more detecting yeah Doyle. Doyle, LVP. Oh, yeah. Oh, but that reminded me of a requotable that don't have the exact requotable, but it was Grace Kelly when she was talking to Jimmy Stewart about how he's not up on his dime store detectives. And that's why she like stayed the night because she was like, yeah, the detectives always get into trouble, but they're always bailed out by his girl Friday. Oh, and I was like, oh damn. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we are to recasting. And may I say, I think I did a really good job. Okay. I have two different casts. Oh, okay. Okay, so I'm going to go with my first gender switch cast. Mine are only gender switched cast. Okay. So, I didn't know we were supposed to do that. You, you can do whatever. Do okay. you, yeah, it's, it's, it's free. So... 
my Jeff is like an all-American guy. So this is going to be an all-American girl. Like, probably not the prettiest person in the room, but somebody who can definitely hold her own. Uh, Jennifer Garner. Is oh, yeah. mm -hmm. yes. So is your who? Is uh, oh, Jeff, Jeff in Jeff, the, in okay. the wheelchair. I see, I see. Okay. So his Grace Kelly, her Grace Kelly, mm -hmm. is going to be like the A-list actor right now, who to me is probably not who is the A-list actor right now, but oh, to my generation. We, I wonder if we, oh, your generation. Um, well, okay, so I started it with George Clooney, but when I went to his clone, I went to Brad Pitt. Okay, yeah, I yeah. I, I myself toiled with, with Brad Pitt as well. I mean, the most gorgeous male on the earth right now, I'm sorry Paul has left us. Well, that would be a good one for throwback. Or all-time casting. All-time casting. Paul Newman. Okay, so we've got Jennifer Garner in the wheelchair. We with have Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt coming in, being the, you know, the male model, yeah. all into what's happening right now. Now, Stella, the insurance company nurse, for this cast is Kenan Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> because you have to yeah. have a great... Yeah. I facial like expression. Yeah, that's you know. Great. Okay, so you can see him and Brad Pitt climbing over the wall to dig up whatever it was the dog was trying to dig up. Hey, hey, I was like, I can smell trouble. Yeah. Now my Lars, you know the oh, bad guy in all of this. Yes. Okay. Uh huh. Kate Blanchett. Oh. Have you started watching mm -hmm. Mrs. America yet? Not yet. Oh I have my not gosh. Yet. I haven't I have either. Yeah. So that was Jennifer Garner, Brad Pitt, Keenan Thompson, and Kate Blanchett. Green light. I green light it. Now I have another I have a person of color cast. Do you want me to do that now? Yeah, you can go on with yours. Mm. <laughs> okay. So my Lars in this one is Lawrence Fishburne. Mm. He's been known to, to frighten me. Ah, he's mm. cute, but he's not special. Now, is <laughs> Stella. Stella, who comes in and she has to do the sarcastic remarks and the facial expressions. Mm -hmm. Issa Rae. <laughs> she asked you would be a good Stella. Mm, that would oh be a good God. one, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we have Lawrence Fishburne, bad guy, uh -huh. Issa Rae. Now we have Lisa, who has to be like the most gorgeous, uh, fashion-forward person of our time. Mm -hmm. Beyonce. Yes, mm. I could see that. Except I don't see Beyonce pining for any man that hard. Yeah. She would not work. She would have been like, okay, Although, no, get the fuck out of here. She did but say, she's she like, go back with Jay-Z. Exactly. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Or perhaps a more laid back man of his own thing, <laughs> his own profession, 
Mahershala Ali. Okay. Mahershala Ali, Beyonce, Issa Rae, Lawrence Fishburne. I'm out. Green lighted. Mm. That's a that's a pretty good one. Do you have a, a recasting? I actually feel pretty good about mine. Oh, nice. Ooh, and I, okay, didn't even, I didn't even take a quiz to tell me. Um, my Jeff is Ryan Gosling. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. He'd be great. Mm-hmm. My Lisa is Emma Stone. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I could totally see her climbing around the window and oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And my Stella, RuPaul. <laughs> I oh, thought I of RuPaul, Teeny. I did. Mm-hmm. Yes. At first, this was my Lars Thorwald, but I changed it to my Doyle, Danny DeVito. Just for <laughs> some comedic relief. Total dick. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so then my Lars was Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, you would be, yeah, he be such an intense. Be, he can be dark. Weird yeah, because he could be dark. Well done, yeah. Tina. That was really good. And I cast the little dog as Mac. <laughs> Mac would be a good little dog. But uh, no, because of what but happens. Then he gets killed in the end. So I like him to be the second dog. <laughs> oh. Yeah, the second dog. Mac's only doing what Mac wants to do. Yeah. People. yeah. <laughs> and he would totally dig up some dead bodies. <laughs> yes, he would. <laughs> All right. Um, I just had the the main two people. So, um, for my my one cast for Jeff as a female, you know, the woman who's looking, she's a photographer, you know, she and she's just stuck and going crazy. She uncovers this murder. Tracy Ross, Tracy Ellis Ross, right. And so then for Lisa, you know, the the upscale guy. Yeah. Who, you know, because Tracy Ellis Ross is just like, this guy, you know, like, but he's just like pretty and he can't hang with me. And I could really see her, her going to it because he's just like, he's just a pretty face. So for this cast, it was Shamar Moore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Totally. So, but my original cast that it originally came to me. I have Stella. I have Rhea Perlman. I just yes, because she, she. Yes. I didn't know it at the time because I didn't know about Thelma Ritter. But now looking at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, Rhea Perlman is just yes, Thelma Ritter. Like, jeez. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then okay for the woman who she's a photographer. She's laid up. She's seen. She's like obviously she's a murderino and she sees weird things and stuff. Tina Fey. Mm. Oh, wow. That would be good. So then Tina Fey, she's dating this guy who is just, he's just a pretty boy. Mm -hmm. And part of her thing is is like, why would this guy, he's so pretty, be with me? Mm -hmm. And, you know, questioning that whole thing of like, but he can have anybody that he wants and he's super nice. He's probably like... And she thinks that he's not that smart, but he maybe he probably is. Uh-huh. You know, it's just that that thing where she doesn't believe that this guy is is in love with her. Because I was trying to go with the, like the grace like match match. You know how like, right, like, right? 
Because at a certain point, like, Jeff is probably like, like yeah, this, this woman is, like, way out of my league and stuff. What? You would think so. Right? So I, I want to do the same thing with Tina Fey. That's why old Chris Hemsworth. <gasps> right? Yeah. Because it's just, because he's... Yeah. This guy, he's the female Grace Kelly to me. He's, he's like, look at him. And yeah. then everyone who, by all accounts, has met him is just like, yeah, he's annoyingly just a decent person. Who knows if yeah. that's real or not? But, you know, just in this recasting, I just thought it would be hilarious. Katita Faye is just like, yeah, I'm not going to marry Chris Helmsworth. Is he, like, we're just too different. <laughs> Right. He just requires too much upkeep. He's just like he he's you know, he's into all of that. I have I'm in the real world. I'm doing real journalism here. Yeah. I thought that would be a great film. Yeah. Well done. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like all of the recasting. Okay, so we are to Tasty Nuggets, our last all right. our last thing. Um, I have We've already talked about it, how all the apartments could actually be lived in. They all had water and electricity. And Torso Girl actually did live in hers. Is that because she was that struggling of an actress where she was like, I'll just live here, guys? Probably. Yeah. Um, All the music was diectic. Yes. Diectic, Mm -hmm. which means. It means that it's it's like within the scene, I think. I looked so it up yesterday. So most of the music came from it's, dude who was the music dude. Yeah, it, didactic means that it would be, oh, he w- he was a composer, so he was trying to compose. So it would be sp- parts of him like trying to compose, like dun 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 dun. Yeah, and then you because there was a a long pause where there was no music at all right so he's probably like writing something down or taking a break and then there's also um things like uh the traffic and stuff cars going by yes. um yes. different things floating in and out and stuff from windows and apartments i have that everyone on the set loved grace kelly <laughs> i mean you know even if she were a a total bitch just to be in her presence wouldn't you go oh yeah she was great she's great yeah but i don't think that she was like that i don't think she was either which makes it and she was gonna come back and be a marnie hitchcock's marnie <laughs> but the people of monaco got their panties all in a twist like i think she legitimately missed acting oh i think she did too and wanted from to what, and always wanted to come back and do yeah, things from what i've read yeah so raymond burr they said um alfred hitchcock mm-hmm. liked raymond burr because he could make him into someone who looked like david oselznick not only looked like but mimicked him where people within the industry all knew like, oh, that's David Oselznick. Ah. Because I feel like his gray hair was way overdone in the movie. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, because David Oselznick inter- interfered too much with the making of the film. Of Rebecca. 
Ah, Rebecca. With Rebecca, he meddled in too much. And so Hitchcock was just biding his time and was like, I got something for you. You want yeah. to keep meddling in? All right. And yeah, and it's just one of those di- like Hollywood digs because you and I, we're not going to know. But people in Hollywood, they watch that and they're like, oh, my God, that's David O'Sell's name. Yeah, like Raymond exactly. Burr is just like, that's exactly who that guy is. Like down to how he cradled the phone and all his mannerisms and stuff. Wow. Okay, so Grace Kelly said of Jimmy Stewart. Now, Grace Kelly was in films with quite a few really macho men. She said he was one of the most masculinely attractive men she'd ever met. James Stewart? Yeah. I mean, you guys keep talking about Grace Kelly, but he (laughs) looked so good. And I don't know how old he was in this. He was 46. Oh, my God. Have you never seen, like, the, the shop around I, the corner? And... No, I've never seen anything he's been in. Oh, my God. It's a Wonderful World. I, oh, yeah, I've seen. I've That's a Wonderful Life? Christmas movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But was he on Miracle on 34th Street? No. Okay. Different Christmas movie. Mr. But Smith Goes to Washington? Like, never you have never heard of that. No. Oh, you have so many great. Yeah. Yeah. Like because Jimmy Stewart. he was in the U.S. Army Air Force, and he flew the B twenty four. He was a pilot in the in the war. Well, he looked great. Yeah, yeah. he's like he's one of the. I mean, the movies that we listed. Usually, we list movies. You know, a, a sampling of the movies, but all the movies that we listed before and the particulars with uh, Jimmy Stewart are all the movies we've done. We've done so many <laughs> Jimmy Stewart movies. Gonna, he was in a lot of Hitchcock movies. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. But those were his early. Like that was him later in life. Like okay, we'll definitely have to do Vertigo because that's considered one of Hitchcock's all-time classics, and Jimmy yeah. Stewart's in it. And that again is a lot of facial facial acting and stuff mm-hmm. but like philadelphia yeah. story the shop around the corner mm-hmm. mr smith goes to washington that's all young jimmy stewart and why yeah. like jimmy stewart is fucking jimmy stewart like if yeah. you think he's hot in this go back to the black and white jimmy stewart and you'll be like oh yeah wow yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um okay edith head had that green dress for Miss Lonely Hearts, but evidently green was the color of problematic relationships. Oh. So when Grace Kelly had that green suit on, they were going to oh. talk about marriage and such. Um, this resembled a real-life murder case of Patrick, Patrick Mahone. Yeah, Is that I, what you talked about you, earlier? Uh-huh. Mohan. This was Jimmy oh, Stewart's. Oh, like, oh, Mahomes, what? Yeah, okay, yeah, because Patrick Mahomes is the NFL He's like a football player, right? Yeah, the Super Bowl winning quarterback <laughs> of the Kansas City what? Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, he recreated this murder. What happened? Yeah, don't don't besmirch um, my main man, Patrick Mahomes, ma. Oh. Yes. How dare you? That is a white gentleman, a British white gentleman. Who cut up and killed his pregnant wife and threw her out the train. Do not drag Patrick Mahomes into this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Patrick. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm done with my tasty nuggets. (laughs) You guys... Well, I don't have anything about Patrick Mahomes, but... (laughs) You guys covered... 
most of mine. However, <laughs> I really liked that Alfred Hitchcock, when he somebody did something that he didn't like, he wouldn't really say anything, but he just got a look on his face like he wanted to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's not working. And then with that book that she's reading in the end, mm-hmm. when uh, Beyond the High Himalayas, written by William O. Douglas, um, he was a justice of the Supreme Court. And he suffered from polio as a child and was told that he would be crippled for life. But after taking up hiking, he discovered that A, he could walk and B, he loved nature. So he wrote a few books and that was one of them. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure it was very engaging. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Wow. wow. Hence the Harper's Bazaar. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, he's asleep. (laughs) What are the fall fashions? <sighs> I like though also that she was wearing penny loafers with her dungarees. Exactly. Like, oh. well, precisely. <laughs> oh, okay. My tasty nugget. So I I knew about this when I read um I forget what biography I read of Hitchcock, but I was just like, oh, it it for it uh cemented my attachment to Hitchcock when I was in high school because as a five-year-old Alfred Hitchcock was given a note from his dad and was like go take this to the policeman so he took the note to the policeman and the policeman locked him up and said to him this is what we do to naughty lads or naughty boys and that scarred Hitchcock for life lifelong he had a fear of the police he wouldn't even drive because he didn't want to get pulled over can you imagine if he was a minority what he would have felt really like geez my guy so yeah for all his life he just had this fear of authority and and um anything to do with the law he would get terrified which makes it even funnier that after his death he like that Supreme Court case didn't get decided until later. Like he gets dragged into a Supreme Court case. It's he probably saw it and that's what killed him. Um, Grace Kelly turned down the role in On the Waterfront that Eva Marie Saint went on to win the Oscar for wow. to do this film. Wow. And then think about it because Eva Marie Saint ended up being in Alfred Hitchcock's North by Northwest because Grace Kelly had retired and became a princess. Yeah. So that's why I was saying at the beginning, like all these movies where there are these blonde women in it and stuff know that Alfred Hitchcock wanted it to be Grace Kelly. Yeah. Because he did have a thing for blondes. He had a thing for icy blondes. And when he found Grace Kelly, he found like... He His. found he found a woman who was just on the same page with him and that he will work with and we didn't bring it up and i didn't really go into to research it this time but i know from previous research that alfred hitchcock his wife was instrumental in all of his work was Mm -hmm. right there alongside him doing everything and directing and and coming up with story ideas and helping him and he was really one of those people that he we don't know her name but that's more on society because he it wasn't because of him being like, oh, get in the background. This is me like he would have her 
with him. So everybody yeah. that worked with Hitchcock knew like, oh, his what Alma, I believe, was her name. Was I think it was too. Super yeah. influential in all of that. And so when he came across Grace Kelly, you know, he as j- just like a filmmaker and feeling like I found the perfect person to vibe with. This is yeah. awesome. And then she's like, I'm retiring from acting. I'm going to be a princess of Monaco. You know, he was like, why? Yeah. No. Yeah. What? Okay. Um. At the time, Time Magazine called this the second most entertaining Hitchcock film behind Hitchcock's The 39 Steps. Oh. I, we have to do it because I've seen The 39 Steps and it's fucking good. Oh, okay. Like, okay. it's one of his black and white British films before he came to Hollywood and it's, it's pretty good. So we have to do that. And I just thought it was interesting that in 1954 they were like, this is good. But it's no 39 steps. Oh, okay. Um, Roger Ebert said about it, quote, not so much watching a film, but spying on your neighbors. Yeah. When the main... When the man comes in and we can't... We can't detach. Like when Raymond Burke comes in and we can't detach... Because we too are the voyeur, so yeah. you know when he comes in and you're just yeah. like, like we have that same f- feeling, and you're like, this is crazy how I have this weird sense of anxiety, and I'm just watching this movie exactly. that is like over sixty years old. What? All right, I'm scared to death. Uh huh. Then uh, it didn't win any Oscars, but it was nominated for best sound recording, best color direct cinematography, best adapted adapted screenplay and best director in 1998 there was a tv remake starring christopher reeves and then in 2007 there was another kind of remake but uh it was called disturbia with shia labeouf and he was on house arrest and i believe sheldon abin sued because he was like you're trying to do rear window and the courts sided with uh spielberg because he did disturbia or produced Disturbia. Huh. Huh. Um, in the in the story that old Cornell wrote, there's no Lisa and there's no nurse. There's only a houseman, Sam, and the broken leg isn't mentioned until the very last line of the short story. Is that when uh, the person breaks the bust of Beethoven over the killer's head? I don't know. I'm talking. I don't know. It's the short story, Ma. Oh, cool. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? The bus talking about something I read of Beethoven about the ending scene being dude in the wheelchair incapacitated breaks a bust of Beethoven over the killer's head. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I didn't read the short story. I apologize. I didn't either. Um, yeah, and those are my tasty nuggets. And then Erin sent me on um, more homework. Yes. Because she has a book, Truffaut, is that how you say it? Mm -hmm. Truffaut Hitchcock. And so I looked up Rear Window in that book, 
And it said Jamie Stewart was not required what, to Jimmy? Eat. Who did I say? Jamie. Jamie. <laughs> you know, for those of us who are really close, Jimmy Stewart was not required to emote. He was simply required to look and then show the viewer what he was looking at. Mm-hmm. So the whole film was the viewpoint of one man in a single set. And first, it immobilized the man looking out. Second, you see what he sees. Third, how he reacts. And it was just his sure curiosity, the whole story. And all of the stories across the courtyard dealt with love and marriage or both. Oh, yeah. Ah. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. The newlywed couple, the torso girl waiting for her Mm -hmm. guy to come home, the... Well, obviously, Miss Lonely um, Hearts, Miss Lonely Hearts, and then the couple the where there's a murder. Yeah, there's that. And then it said the couple who who were childless, and so they had the puppy. I felt like that was judgmental. Yeah, because I, like I didn't, I didn't feel that at all. I, I never even. I mean, I'm like, childless. Maybe they, ju- maybe they just like dogs. That's how I felt. Maybe they were happy with their dog. And yeah. they didn't need a a child. Yeah. So, I I, and he was like, I don't know. That's weird because I never and even maybe thought about it. maybe not having children allows them to have more dogs. Exactly. I, which is, I'm all for that. You know, children are expensive. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeez. So I just found Somebody's that Somebody's got to think about the environment. I'm just saying whatever people want to do, it's fine by me. But I'm just saying that there are resources yeah. and they're limited. Yeah, so. look at what you're bringing a child into right now. <laughs> exactly. Who's in there right now? Yeah, you happy looking at me with a mask on my face? Probably happier than not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm just saying. I am proposing Hitchcock, uh, Hitchcock a week. I know, but I want to do them for the show, so... Okay, so don't do a Hitchcock a week, or you can, and then listen to the show when we discuss whichever one you've seen. Yeah, I mean, other people can do whatever they want. I'm not going to tell them. I'm just saying, like, we definitely are going to do more Hitchcock. Unfortunately, that's not what I picked for next week, but... I do love me some Hitchcock. So, you're welcome for this week, Rear Window. It's the perfect movie to watch in these uncertain times. Yeah. It's it's just great because you just are really like, oh, man. Yeah. As I do it, I'm, oh, man. Just wait, where are you going? And it really kept me on the edge of my seat. Mm-hmm. There yeah, you have especially it. at the end. I mean, it's like it like, builds up. If a movie can keep me off of my phone for the whole time. I'm good. I'm in. Ah, and she that's was in. True. That's a true judge. Yeah. Okay, so Erin, I believe you're next week. Oh, yeah. Man. All right. Well, I apologize. Oh. But Uh-oh. I, wanted, oh, I wanted to, because I wanted to, to, to spread it out a bit. I wanted to get a bit more international. And I was listening to the Big Picture podcast and... Earlier, I believe April 1st was the 100th anniversary, would have been the 100th anniversary of birth 
or birthday of Japanese actor Toshiro Mufune. And we've done a Toshiro Mufume movie before. We did Rashomon. Rashomon? Yeah. And we were... Thank and we, you. Wait. A yeah. moment. A moment for me. Yes. And, and remember how we were like, who is this guy? This guy's awesome. Yes. Well, I was listening to that podcast and they mentioned this movie, 1957, another Akira Kurosawa film called Throne of Blood. And they had high, high review. It was raved. I guess I should walk it back. But they did really like it. Um, so I was like, I've been wanting to, to internationalize it and get back into yeah. it. And I thought it was a perfect time. And I wanted to see. I really remember really liking this guy and his presence. Okay. And so that's why I was like, all right. It's, it's an adaptation of Macbeth. For uh, what that's wait, worth. Doesn't Macbeth have the three witches at the beginning? I don't know. I I am very loose on my Shakespearean. I don't know. I think it's the three sisters. I thought the three sisters was King Lear. Okay, I hope so. But, okay. So, but I heard that this was, and, you know, it's, it's Tishara Mufume being like a badass and that's why i thought that maybe the gentlemen of this podcast might like it because you know samurai oh. and whatnot and i'm sorry to be you know racist but japanese they kind of like to get in on the japanese fighting stuff yeah so i i thought that maybe it might be interesting i apologize if we come back and we're just like ah, oh, we're three women this was a dude film <laughs> sorry okay. but not like we don't have time yeah i just thought that it would be it would be a little bit because i wanted to get more there i mean there are Truffaut films that i'd like to see brunwell films that i remember when i was in college that i didn't get but then i wonder if age, if now I, there's a new, uh, you know what I mean? Like you see it in a different way and you're like, oh, now I get it. Now I get why yeah. Jerry Hooper kept showing me this because yeah. I did it yeah. when I was young. So, yeah. Okay. So um, did you do research into can we get it on iTunes? It's on iTunes. I did oh, do okay. research to make sure that it was rentable on iTunes and it is. Okay. Throne of Blood. 1957. Akira Next Kurosawa. Week. Akira Kurosawa. This is what this is what uh, Gone with the Bushes is made for. Because you might be like, I don't need to see it, and then you can just listen to this podcast. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. The our notes. last spike when I looked at our podcast reviews, the last spike was Greece. Thank you, Teeny. Oh. Mm. Teeny so knows we'll what the see. people want. Well, she's up the next week, people. So if you yeah. don't like Throne of Blood, it's Teeny's exactly. pick the next week. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll see where that comes out. Okay, listeners, there you go. Bye. Bye. Bye.